0: Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Joseph Faldham, and this is NPLH in conversation with the football podcast that isn't about football, brought to you by NPLH Studio. NPLH is more than a podcast. Once you've hit the follow button, visit NPLHmag.com to enjoy online reads, subscribe to our newsletter, and browse our collection of magazines, prints, and apparel. On to the show. Hello. I'm Joe Fordham and welcome to NPLH in Conversation with, the podcast where we speak to interesting and influential people from the football landscape. In this episode, I speak with Matthew Barrett, co-founder of GoalClick, the social platform inspiring us to understand one another through football. We discuss, amongst other things, the origins of GoalClick.
1: I was studying history and my kind of topic was the Second World War and Europe between the wars and outside of academics, I was kind of doing a lot of sport, and um, one of my university professors said, why don't you fuse those two things together? And the kind of seeds of gold
0: click were maybe born at that moment. And the perks that come from it.
1: You can't, like, make up the bizarreness sometimes of, like, what we've created, (laughs) which is, wherever we go, we have a friend.
0: Over the course of our conversation, Matthew tells us of the importance of storytelling from the perspective of the individual... Who makes the best storytellers and what he's learned from them. I hope you enjoy. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you very much for having me, Joe.
0: I've always wanted to say that. We made it finally.
1: We made it. We've had a couple of technical hitches, a couple of planning hitches, but the most important thing is that we're talking.
0: Okay, let's get started then. Um, We're speaking shortly after your return from the Men's World Cup in Qatar. Having collaborated with various organisations over the past year in the lead-up to that tournament, what can you tell me about your experiences over there?
1: Straight in with the big questions, Joe. No softballs. Um, so, I mean, I think I want to almost dial the clock back a bit. We've been working in Qatar for the last four years, and personally, it was my fifth time out there. Um, we've really moved deliberately towards working in Qatar, because off the back of the Russian World Cup, where we did a pretty successful series looking at what Russians thought and what Russians wanted to show about their country and their football culture, we wanted to lean into Qatar and try and tell the story from the perspective of the people who lived and worked there. Because I think some of it is universal in Gold Click, no matter who we work with, is that there's always a lot of talking about people and about countries and about communities. And there's often not very much letting the people who experience those realities every day do the talking themselves. That's a universal element of Gold click. And so in Qatar, we have always worked with people who live and work there, which is a very different slant on a lot of the reporting about the World Cup. I appreciate this is a long answer to get to your question, but I think it's important context. Um, And so over the last four years, um, we've worked with a lot of people from lots of different backgrounds, from lots of different nationalities, um, from workers, to coaches, to artists, to students. The majority of the people we've worked with in Qatar are women. Um, And I just think that when you get those perspectives, the story becomes a little bit more complete. So, That's what we've always tried to do in Qatar, um, give a space, give a platform to people who would otherwise be kind of marginalized from the conversation. Um, And then specifically over the last 12 months, um, we've done a project um, called Goals. It's been in partnership with quite a broad range of partners, um, the Sports Creative, Generation Amazing, Salam, Qatar Foundation, um, and... We have worked with 41 people. Again, majority women, 20 different nationalities, all different types of personality. Um, and we've got them to tell their story about their lives, their communities, and um, from the country. And to be honest, theirs is the view that's more important than mine. I will tell you what I kind of experienced and how it was, but you know, ultimately the whole point of Gold Click is to stop people like me having opinions about countries and, and getting the people who experience it themselves to um to show us whether it be through, you know, photography, written word, audio, video, all the things that goal Click does, uh, and ultimately, you know, a big exhibition for four weeks um, in Doha. So, yeah, generally, I like to answer that question with, does my opinion matter that much? Isn't it better to, to hear um, what other people who live there think? But if I were to answer your question, look, it was a really interesting and different World Cup. I, I went to Russia. I went to France um, for the Women's World Cup. Um, they were different. Um, it felt... More inclusive and more family, less alcohol. It's been going this way anyway. The majority of people who go to World Cups are um, from South America and from the Middle East and North Africa, <laughs> uh, particularly in a, with an Arabic World Cup um, and America, of course. So it's different from what we usually experience, I guess, in, in the UK. Um, but generally, most people have reported that it was pretty well organized. There were Obviously, lots of reports of, of of some security issues at the start of the tournament, but generally they seem to get ironed out. So I think the overall fan experience has been relatively good, but you would expect that with the World Cup. For me personally, the most interesting part was meeting a lot of the storytellers that we worked with over the last 12 months and putting on an exhibition and having them see their work displayed, which doesn't always happen, um, and doing some events where they got to kind of speak and, and tell their stories as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I was there predominantly to work, so I wasn't like in the heartbeat of the fan experience. But um, most people seem to have a um, a good experience, as you would expect with the World Cup. That's a long answer <laughs> to a very simple question. Yeah, the, more, the more of
0: those, the better. It makes my life a lot easier. I'll yeah. just I'll just sit here and watch. <laughs> uh, so yeah. the earlier part of your answer there um, became very made it very clear sorry that um people's perspectives is is something that's very important to you and to to gold click and i i've had i've read that actually i've read that online that you've always had a natural curiosity for people and their stories um so i guess we're going way way further back now uh, so where did where do you think that that curiosity comes from and pre-gold click how did that manifest itself
1: yeah I feel like I'm entering into a therapy session at some point soon um where did it where did it first come from? Where are the roots of that curiosity um it is interesting i mean i've I was always drawn predominantly to subjects like history um because I enjoyed um I guess hearing stories of what happened in the past at, at the at the root level and, and how people experience things. Um I mean, maybe there's a product of being the the child of a a policeman and a psychotherapist, uh, you know, professions which are very interested in other human beings and what they've either done or or not done. Um so maybe there's some some parental influence there. Um yeah, I I guess I've always been drawn to subjects and pursuits which involve a lot of people, you know, sport, music. They're the things that have really grabbed me in my life. Um, and they're not, I, I choose not to do solitary pursuits. I'm very much someone that likes to surround themselves with people. Um, and yeah, I, I've always just been really grabbed by... The world? I know that sounds silly, but like when I was seven years old, I remember making the flags of like every nation in the world. Like that, I, I was always interested in like what else was out there and like knowing things about different countries and about their past and what they're doing now and geopolitics. Like those are the areas I really personally enjoy. So yeah, that's how it's always manifested itself. Um, I guess the, uh, the point at which those collided was... I tell this story uh, uh, quite a bit but um, when I was at university I was studying history and my kind of topic was the second world war and Europe between the wars and area I've always been really really interested in. Um, Outside of academics I was kind of doing a lot of sport, organizing sport, playing sport and um, one of my university professors said why don't you fuse those two things together Um, and the kind of seeds of gold click were maybe born at that moment but um, I ended up looking at sport and politics and war in the 20th century, um, writing my thesis on sport in the British Army in the Second World War. And it just really lit the fuse that actually my curiosity about people, my curiosity about the world, my curiosity about kind of geopolitics, um, there could be a lens through sport to explore that in a way that was a bit more approachable um, and even more interesting. So yeah, that's a, a checkered uh history of um of things that have i guess led me to where i am today
0: that's really interesting i guess you you, i mean you mentioned an interest in history there from a young age um and i guess in in some ways your work with gold click you've assumed the role of a documentarian albeit anonymously with gold click being the face of that so which will serve historians down the line when they will look at the body of work that your platform was created. Is that something that's crossed your mind?
1: Yeah, and you know what, the academic world actually seems to really like Gold Click um because it really is ultimately field work. I know that's a weird way to look at it, but ultimately what academics want is narratives from the field, from people who are experiencing it. It's basically almost oral history (laughs) in a sense um just done through the lens of football football is basically our stealth way of getting people to document their own lives and experiences um and so yeah I, i wouldn't necessarily call ourselves documentarians i think we're um platform to give space um you know we're not necessarily the ones who are doing the documenting, we're almost flipping around that narrative, whereby usually documentarians go into a community and make it about those people. We're kind of taking that and twisting it on his head and saying, that's all great, but actually, wouldn't it be interesting to get that kind of first person perspective? So it it is in a way almost like, you know, it has similarities to like oral history where you just get people to put down their thoughts and their experiences on record, and yes, I guess we're just doing that in real time, um, and trying to step away from being that documentarian with their own perspective, and just like really just giving the space.
0: Going back to the comment from uh, your lecturer at university, and that you know, I guess the early days of sowing the seed of that—you've got the idea of of gold click or the early idea of what gold click could be. How did you go about turning that idea? into a reality and, and what did that first project look like in terms of logistics
1: without much of a concrete plan that's for sure um look gold Click started as a slightly crazy idea that snowballed gradually into a passion project then a side hustle and then my full-time job it's crazy sometimes to think that an idea that me and a friend ed jones had which was why don't we give a disposable camera to one person from every country in the world and see what happens, has turned into a sustainable social business that employs me full-time. In terms of filling the gaps there, um, we had the idea in 2013, we sent out our first disposable camera to Sierra Leone in 2014, we found the coach of the national amputee football team who was also a church minister called pastor abraham bangura uh we sent out a disposable camera didn't really have many expectations and the roll of film that came back was just amazing still some of the best photos we've ever received back um of amputee footballers training on a beach in freetown in sierra leone and from the very first moment we saw that first roll of film and even the first photo to be honest of the amputees coming towards the camera with the balls in the in the foreground when you were onto something um i think it's not even post-rationalization to say that at that moment we knew that it was extra special because it was done by someone from within that community i think that a lot of the photos not the stories that we tell couldn't be done by an outsider going in to capture those people that community you really get quite intimate photos and quite meaningful interactions um between people when it's done, between people who trust each other and know each other well. So that came across really, really clearly in the very, very first story um, that we did. And then it was just a snowball, a very slow snowball at first. Um, we spent probably a couple of years getting about 15 or 20 stories back. Um, but then the kind of kickoff moment was when we did our first exhibition uh, in London during the Euros. Uh, which Adidas supported. Um, and then we did a series based solely around London for that as well um, with Adidas. Uh, and that really was the birth of Gold Click as it is now, which is, you know, doing the great work that we do with individuals all around the world. Um, and obviously, you know, we fund that ourselves and trying to find people in places um, with an inspiring story to tell or a different perspective. Um, but then also, working with organizations for bigger deeper series which is our is our revenue model which then funds all the other good stuff that we want to do so um, that was a really important moment because we realized that there was a way of both doing really great work um and also doing really great work with people who are going to fund it <laughs> um so uh we haven't really needed to change what we do in those two different spheres um but they just uh they have different starting points i guess
0: how did the uh collaboration with Adidas come about was that something that you'd been consciously working on in the background in order to kind of grow gold click
1: myself and my co-founder both come from the sports marketing and sponsorship world um, and it's why gold click also to this day the revenue model <laughs> uh, is a sponsorship one so it's a world that i personally know very well it's the career i had for 8 or 9 years after university um, and while I was fermenting and growing gold click, um, I did it both alongside each other for four years. Um so um we knew people that worked at Adidas and it was uh, I mean it was quite a, a small amount of money that they gave us, but it was enough to um give us what we needed to do and and start the and start the ball rolling. Um but yeah, I think that they saw and they continue to see that what we do is something really different. Um and I think that's the reason why a lot of organizations want to work with us because the majority of storytelling is done in a certain way and through a certain lens. And and I think that we do something very, very different, which is have that complete focus on the people being able to capture their own surroundings and their own story. Uh, and I think that authentic lens.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking uh, along those authentic slash genuine lines and it's not the kind of... Um, scripted narrative that brands can often offer to attract, you know, um, an audience or to sell an idea of something. So this is a this is a real person's life. This is actually happening here, and this is their view. The education
1: process we have to increasingly go through to just reiterate these are human beings who are not professionals.
0: (laughs) And to to sorry to cut you off there. What do you mean by the education process?
1: The education process for, I guess, almost everyone we work with that is used to um, seeing very polished and very um, controlled content, or that at least they have control over the process of. To be able to say to people that ultimately human beings are unpredictable and the people telling their stories also need to trust us, Um we traditionally, and we're getting I guess, a bit technical here, but with most organizations, when they're doing content, there's like a pre-production phase and like agreement on shoots. And we're like, we don't do shoots. <laughs> we don't do, you know, that level of production planning. Like this is, you kind of get what you get. You're You're guiding them and you're maybe asking, you know, trying to bring their story out of them. And you're saying this might work well, but ultimately... It's up to you what you want to show. Um, And that is something that I think um, often people who are working in this space aren't used to. Like journalists are very used to having the final like <laughs> say on their copy. And photographers are used to having the final say on their photos. And filmmakers are used to having the final say on their filming. But when you give away the control, it, it is a bit of an education process to say, you know, human beings... Uh, can be unpredictable.
0: I guess, yeah, giving away that control, it's then um, coming to some kind of acceptance that the the end product will be whatever it needs to be and whatever that is, is okay.
1: It is and, and obviously we, we curate but we don't create um, and I think that's a really different way of looking at the world and Telling stories, um, so yeah, that's that's what we try to do.
0: So that exhibition and uh, collaboration with Adidas was kind of like a, a catalyst for for the platform. What what did the immediate aftermath of that look like in terms of response and um, I guess access to to I guess where I'm going with in terms of access is did that open doors to work with the more elite end of of the game rather than the obscure and marginalized communities?
1: Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was, it it was, it wasn't that quick. Um, To be honest, the year after that, we, we had a bit of a rest. It was at that point becoming quite a lot to do what was almost two jobs at once. Um, So actually, from mid 2016 to mid 2017 was probably the quietest time of goal click in our history. Um, but then it was increasingly clear that I was up for giving goal click a go full time. Um, and so I um, left my first career, as I now call it, in uh, April 2018, just before the Russian World Cup. And that was the time at which I started then trying to grow uh, goal click. Um, and it to become a sustainable social business that it is now. Um, In terms of the elite side, we just started from scratch, really. um, And we started with women's game. Um, And actually, to this day, we're we're way stronger in elite women's football than elite men's football, um, for pretty obvious reasons, actually, although I can expand on them if you want. Um, But we did a project in 2019 around the Women's World Cup, where we got uh, players who were going to be playing in France Um, to capture their journeys ahead of the tournament. Um, In the end, we worked with 18 players who were on the field in France, including two players from the US Women's National Team, uh, Sam Mures and Kelly O'Hara. We worked with Beth Mead. Uh, We worked with players at smaller nations, um, Lauren Silver in Jamaica, Miranda Nave for Thailand, and ultimately got them to, to capture their community and their journey towards the Women's World Cup. Uh, we also worked with UEFA around the UEFA Women's Champions League and worked with the likes of of Lucy Bronze and Ramona Backman. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of really made a bit of a, a name for ourselves, I guess, in elite women's football. Um, still is probably one of the most powerful and important series that we've done. And... We're going to be doing the same for the women's world cup in australia new zealand 2023 we're, we're already starting uh, and hopefully we'll have one player from each of the 32 nations taking part um so yeah it, it wasn't off the back of working with adidas it was a purely self um realized desire of ours um to work in a part of the game that i think people forget In 2018, 2019, women's football was really not what it was now. Like, I cannot stress enough the change in the last three years. It's been insane. I think people underestimate the change that's happened in three or four years. No one was talking about the Women's World Cup six months out from it in 2019. People are super aware of the Women's World Cup coming in six months' time now. Like, the difference is vast. So um, we're quite proud that we got there way before most, um, and we saw that it was going to be a really important tournament, we wanted to work in that space, um, and I think the content was incredible.
0: Looking back on where the women's game was, there, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. It has it's blown up effectively over the past few years, which is wonderful considering the restrictions that were put on it, especially in this country, for decades. Um, so I guess that collaboration during that World Cup does tally with the goal click. Uh, ethos of the marginalized communities and in a just in a i guess a broader way so this is just coming to me now really but with women's football being that much more well i guess mainstream for want of a better word why is it important do you think why is it important to you to to still share those those stories now that these athletes are more household names they're they're not necessarily on the periphery of of our conscious now
1: i mean it's mainstream but there's still so much to do (laughs) like it i think maybe the media is there but still not enough and so many other elements of the game are not where they should be uh from infrastructure to uh salaries to prize money you know it's still way behind the men's game and i think we could think that because the elite end is like Doing well, the oh problems are solved, but you go just slightly down um the the pyramid, and it's it's really um not much has changed actually. Um in terms of the elite end. Look, we will always want to tell stories where it doesn't have to be someone from a marginalized community, it just simply we want to tell perspectives that haven't necessarily been told. Um and look, everyone has a story. And there are always different ways of approaching, um, telling someone's story in a new way. Um, and whilst there definitely have been massive advances, we still need to keep the pressure up. And the majority of our storytellers are women and girls from around the world. Um, one, because, uh, they're often better storytellers, <laughs> um, two, because, uh, in, every single place in the world at every level of society if you have a man and a woman who are otherwise equal it will be harder for a woman or girl to participate and be included in football that is just a universal truth and so the barriers and the challenges that are in the way at every level elite grassroots they still exist um and i think people can think oh everything's fine um we've we've made the advances i don't think we're even close yet to to bridging that gap so it's important to us that we we keep telling those stories and also the inequality within the women's game you know the the stories from england and usa are so radically different to what we're going to see from um zambia and philippines and vietnam so i think it is important to also shine the light on the unequal status within the women's game um because actually that chasm might even be growing um as the elite women's football teams get a lot of support and the rest aren't necessarily brought along on the journey as quickly as we'd like. So uh, it's important that we continue to tell these stories in this part of the game.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, I guess, yeah, the women's game in that respect is at a, a crossroads, really, isn't it? It could learn from mistakes from the men's game and feed down in a positive way. Or it could, as we so often see in the wider world, not learn from history and you see the the chasm get bigger
1: so if we're relying on trickle down economics to grow the the bottom of the pyramid I'm not sure we're going to see <laughs> the advances we want to see I think there needs to be a conscious decision to um grow all aspects of the game um and look I think that actually women's football has a much better chance of doing that because generally for lots of obvious reasons. There's always been a stronger sense of um, social awareness um, within the the women's game. Um, and so it doesn't have to go down the same road that men's football has gone down, um, but it will take a lot of work and a lot of right decisions to make that happen.
0: Uh, will you be going to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand?
1: I will. Just Australia, actually. Um, I have personal reasons for that because um my my dad lives in perth um and i have good friends in melbourne so i'm going to make um a proper stint of it um but we find that particularly the knockout phases of the women's world cup is really the time where everyone from that global women's football community comes together so the knockout phase in sydney will be where we are um we expect to have at least one exhibition we expect to be doing um kind of work out there uh, we've already I've been working with Hummel and the Afghanistan Women's National Team who um, are based in Melbourne. Um, so we naturally have a presence um, in Australia and it's going to be a great tournament.
0: This, um, I guess, taps into another one of your interests and that is travel. Right? I've, I've read that you enjoy travel as well as ukulele, which we can, we can or cannot <laughs> touch on later on if you want.
1: <laughs> are you doing lots of due diligence on me?
0: Yeah. I've, I've been knocking on all of the doors in Epping. Do you know this man <laughs> and what do you know about him? <laughs> um, so you you've got a natural interest in travel. I guess that's something that's grown as you've, you know, as you've grown. Um, so do you, do you try and make it a point or are you able to visit a lot of the, the communities of the projects that you work on?
1: We deliberately don't travel. The model is based around it being able to be done remotely. Um, so we send cameras by mail. We interact with people on email and WhatsApp. Um, we uh get content back on um through phones <laughs> when we do video. Um so it's a real deliberately anti-travel um policy of, of Gold Click when we create the content. We actually did a a documentary film series last year where the storytellers were in Brazil, the we were in London with the producers the director was in Lisbon, the musicians were in Amsterdam, the the client was in Ireland um, and there was no travel. I think there were two internal flights across the entire three-part documentary film series. And so you actually also can't really get much greener than that um, to create a series like that. Um, So yeah, we have a real policy of like, we don't travel. We do it remotely. The exception is we often travel with the major tournaments as like climax moments to put on Gold Click exhibitions to meet the rest of the the industry to often meet our storytellers. So those are the moments at which we travel. Um, however, on a personal level, whenever I'm going to a country, I also know I will have people that I know through Gold Click, and I make an effort to see those people when I'm there. So. I mean, I had a great night out in Iceland with our Gold Click storyteller from there <laughs> um, when I was there on personal travel. So like whenever I go to a place, I'm always thinking, ah, who from our Gold Click network lives there? Can I see them? Um, and it's amazing. I mean, look, when I went to Russia for the World Cup, I stayed with one of our photographers in Yekaterinburg. Like you, you can't like make up the bizarreness sometimes of like what we've created, <laughs> which is wherever we go, we have a friend, um, ultimately. Um, and it, it really is very meaningful um, to to do that. Um, on a note about the green side of things, I'm also a trustee of a, a charity called Football for Future, which is a football and climate change charity. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real education for me to kind of learn about that side and how football can catch up, I think, in its climate obligations. Um, but the Gold Click methodology plays into that because... I'm pretty proud that we don't send people around the world on on shoots um and that we are like keeping um keeping our carbon footprint down with the methodology that we that we use
0: um just going back slightly to the the opportunities you've had to meet the individuals that you've worked with uh how do those those meetings impact you when you've you've learned of their story through a visual unwritten medium and then you you meet them in the flesh What 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 does that feel like to you in terms of connection I mean you obviously can't beat real
1: life connection I think we've managed to create something where we can tell brilliant stories without that however on a personal level I'm a I'm definitely a social being as we all are and I think sometimes that person can be a two-dimensional figure when you're speaking to them on whatsapp or email or 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 like we're doing now, <laughs> um, speaking across an internet connection. And that doesn't mean you can't get to know someone quite well. And I do feel like, I'm sure we all do, we have friendships with people that we haven't necessarily met before. But that third dimension, maybe, is the element that brings someone true to life and you start to maybe feel a little bit more um true emotion towards them as you also start to I think people often tell you things in person. They might not tell you through a screen. Um, That's not always the case, but I think that you can just go that little bit deeper and that little bit more personal um, when you meet them in real life. And maybe sometimes we often present a face to the world on on digital media or through interactions um, that way. But I think it's harder to keep that Mask up, maybe, um, when you're in real life with someone. That would just be a a thought. I hadn't really thought about that question before, if I'm being honest. Um, But that's probably where I feel. I don't think that it's a fundamentally different experience, but you maybe just get slightly under the skin a little bit more of somebody um, away from, you know, how we want to project ourselves. Um, Because ultimately, we're all projecting ourselves the whole time. We're all self-censoring the whole time. We're all trying to create, an image of ourselves the rest of the world i think that when you meet someone in real life that is harder to maintain and um you can get to know someone even more
0: yeah i agree with a lot of what you said there you feed off of a, a body language you look into someone's eyes and you feel a sense of, of trust and and using that word again connection that kind of gives you um the license to to open up a little bit more and And that's, uh, yeah, that's something that you can't replicate. That said, (laughs) that said, you know,
1: I do think you can go quite a long way without necessarily having to meet someone in real life. I think obviously going and meeting someone in real life is like the ultimate. But hearing their story and listening to them and getting a better understanding of their situation can be done without necessarily meeting them in real life it might not be quite as profound but i think we would like to think that and bring it back to gold click people who read stories from our refugee series with the un hcr you cannot help but understand someone's life and understand someone's experience by reading that story and by seeing the images and by seeing them on video and you know i think that a lot of the issues that gold click tackles are things that people do care about but don't necessarily prioritize or don't necessarily have access to hearing about that much i think that you know when you do engage with people's story like a lot of our afghan girls in austria or australia or um hearing about Syrian refugees in jordanian refugee camps you cannot help but Empathize and understand someone's lived situation a little more. So, I don't think you have to necessarily go to meet them in real life to get a real understanding and have an interest in what their experiences are. So, I agree with you, (laughs) but I also counter it by saying, you know, just because you're not with someone in real life doesn't mean you can't have that entry point to understand who they are and why they matter.
0: Yeah, very well put. I would want to rewind again very briefly. To the first project of GoldClick, Click, where you threw a camera in an envelope to multiple countries around the world, yourself and Ed, uh, now, I think that would be doing your work a disservice to even think that it's just as easy as as that. So can you talk me through any of the challenges that have come up? challenges slash disappointments that have arisen
1: well. Number one challenge is the global postal systems of the world, um, which I'm now an expert in. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's um, postal systems, courier systems, lack of addresses in many places around the world has always been an issue that we've been patient around and tried to overcome. Um, I think that, obviously, the starting point for everyone in the GoldClick journey is the humble, disposable analog camera. Obviously, we do lots more than just that now, but that is always the start point. And look, they are slightly unreliable. <laughs> um, and you do get back um, some cameras where everything is black. It doesn't happen so much anymore because we you know, give some practical guidance and some top tips to, to people. But um, you know, it happens. There are misfires for sure. Um, and I think, look, also, what's the biggest potential risk with everything we do? Human beings um we are notoriously unreliable unpredictable bizarre at times um but we're also amazing powerful and inspirational and you never quite know which way it's going to go <laughs> until you've uh until you've worked with someone for a while um but yeah i think that i would say to my team human beings will never fail to find a new way to surprise you um, on both ends of the scale. Um, they'll find new ways to get things wrong and they'll find new ways to to show you what's great. So um, yeah, I think those are the challenges. I think people underestimate how much work there is in just building that rapport, giving people that confidence and getting them to trust you as the people who are going to tell their story. Um, you know people aren't just going to say yes to be part of something like this so a lot of the kind of i guess management is less around um you know we don't we're not necessarily the ones creating the content but we are the people who are making sure people are comfortable and going on their storytelling journey and we're getting the most out of them um so yeah that's what takes a lot of our time
0: that was really beautifully put and i think it's very clear from that answer that you've got a very well rounded understanding of the messiness of humans and that that understanding stands you in good stead to to manage goal click which is essentially where we're working with people and and people are surprising in good and bad ways and I think go that maybe going into it with the outlook that you've got it makes it work and it wouldn't work any other way. Expectations would invariably lead to disappointments. And because of your natural interest in people in society and understanding of that, it seems to align perfectly with what you're doing. And it's not just me. I
1: want to say, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think anyone who works for gold click, has that natural curiosity about people and that way of working with people. Uh, a little anecdote as well. I often think that one of the best things I ever did was work for three months uh, on London Overground platform with a megaphone uh, as a customer advisor, i.e., shouting at people to get them to do things. Um, and the amount of ways that human beings were unpredictable and weird and amazing stood me in really good stead, I think, for Gold Click. I would always say to people, Go and work in a customer-facing role somewhere, whether it's a cafe or a pub or on a platform, <laughs> um, because like being able to like understand the unpredictability of other human beings, I think is a really great skill to have, and I think it stood uh, it stood us in good stead. To go one step further, I am generally someone who sees the grey. I-, I really am suspicious of black and white. Uh, I'm suspicious of prevailing narratives because I often think those conversations are incomplete. And so we will always try and make space for different viewpoints um, who might not necessarily be part of the the prevailing narrative.
0: Going back to what we were just discussing with your outlook on on humans as a whole and the understanding of, of how we can behave and your interests in learning more about them. I uh, just want to go back to the the purpose of Gold Click as it's worded on your website. We are here to inspire understanding between people through storytelling with football as our language of choice. So my final question to you, Matthew, is over the past eight years, what through Gold Click have you learned about people and how would you say the experience has changed you to date? I think I find it very hard when
1: people speak about
0: another group of
1: people. Um, in a very generalist way to accept that anymore because invariably I will know someone from that group (laughs) who we've worked with Um, and I think I've also I've really hardened against this notion of like football on its own as something that can really change much. And I hate these concepts of like unity and bringing the world together and happy faces and smiles. And, you know, of course football brings that. But I think that on its own is like not enough. I think there then has to be some outcome that football brings, whether it be reconciliation, whether it be education whether it be safety um whether it be you know normalizing someone's experience after trauma you know I think football on its own doesn't really do much apart from give a short-term high but I think what football can do is lead to like lots of long-term benefits and so I think that we have nothing but admiration for people who like take football and go beyond just that momentary like high or joy and actually use football for like creating real long-term good and purpose in the world. Um, and I've had the fortune over the last eight years to meet so many people doing that. Like I actually think back and before GoalClick, I didn't know all these people that did that, all these superstars who are kind of doing great work in their communities, um, all these people leading great charities, all these people making a real difference. And I I love the network and the friendships that I've built through GoalClick, I <laughs> I try and know as many people as possible who work in this sector. People sometimes, like, slightly mock me for knowing everybody, but, like, it's a real genuine, like, aim of mine to try and meet as many people doing as great things as possible and then hopefully work with them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's taught me to, like, really go beyond just, like, football as this... I call it the set-blatterization of football. Give people a football, everything will be okay. I think I've really learned that football, when used correctly, can be way, way more important than that. And that also, I'm an optimist. I think that there is a lot of pessimism about the state of the world. And I'm actually optimistic. And you would think that the exposure I have to such like terrible stories at times and experiences that people have had and... know being so involved in geopolitics and seeing so much anger and disillusionment about the world but i'm i'm an optimist and i think that i see so many people doing so many great things and i actually have an optimistic vision for the future of the world And i don't think we're (laughs) we're necessarily on a on a path to oblivion i also by way of being a historian as well, know how bad things really were in the past. Uh, And I think that majority of people tend to see the world in a very short-termist sense, whether it be a year or five years or 10 years. I think I tend to look at things in 50 or 100-year blocks. um, And for that reason, I see that,
0: you know,
1: the arc of progress is bending (laughs) uh, in a positive direction. Um, And I think that the more I work with people around the world and hear what they have to say, the more I'm reassured that there are good people doing great things um, and we just need to support them and amplify their voices. And that's really what we try to do. We're not necessarily creating the change ourselves, but we're supporting the people who are doing that. So yeah, that's what I'd say um, has been my, my journey over the last eight years.
0: Wonderful, and I think it's safe to say that you're you're one of those people, and the people that work with you at Gold Click are in that category of people instigating positive change. So, thank you for the work that you're doing. No,
1: I appreciate that, and thank you, and for asking such um, different questions, um, because yeah, I am um, have haven't been asked some of them before. So it was a real pleasure to get my thinking brain on and go a bit beyond necessarily the surface of football and go into some of the the deeper and maybe sometimes more intellectual elements of like why football matters because I think a lot of people dismiss football as just something that's played whereas actually it's fundamental to a lot of lives and communities and societies uh, in a way that I think people don't realize Um, so yeah thank you for your questions and for all that you're doing
0: well, thank you for saying that and satisfying my ego in the process. And thank you for speaking with me today, Matthew. For more on Gold Click, you can find them on Instagram at Gold Click. And for all things MPLH, you can sign up to our newsletter via MPLHMag.com and follow us on socials at MPLHMag. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to hit the follow button and I'll see you next time.